Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Clear Minds Better Lives. And today I'm honored to have my father with me, Dr. Reverend Isaac Karanjo Anyoike, and we are going to be talking about leadership and mental health and how mental health plays a role in being a leader and how leaders should take care of themselves, especially being someone who's leading other people and always overseeing people in different aspects of leadership. So I am going to let him introduce himself in a little bit, but just a little, um, um, I guess, summary of who he is. He's not only a father, a pastor, a husband. He's also an author and also a pastor advisor at Barnes Jewish Hospital here in St. Louis, which is where my home is and which is where we live. And so, yeah, Dad, go ahead. Oh, thank you, Shiro. <laughs> I love that introduction. Um, Isaac Wanyeke. I'm a pastor and Moso. I work at Barnes Jewish Hospital as a chaplain. And uh, this is an honor uh, for me to talk about uh, how leadership uh, can affect your mental health and some of the things that I've been able to do over the years uh, so that I'm able to at least take care of myself to some extent. Right. So let's jump right into it. So I know you have been a leader for at least 30 years, maybe more. Correct me if I'm wrong. But talk about the beginning of your journey in leadership. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's 30 years. Uh, it's 30 years, maybe plus one or, or so. Um, you know, the call to the ministry came when I was in high school. And uh, So, wait, you knew you wanted to be a pastor in, in high school? In high school. Actually, even way before, if I may, okay. if I may say so. Uh, one day when I was seven years old, some elders of the church visited our home. And we were playing around with um, our siblings. And my dad pointed at me and said, this one is going to work in the church. Mm. Seven years old. And then later on, the call became more uh, imminent as I grew um, old, or, you know, in school especially. When I was in uh, high school, after, uh, after high school, that's when I... I felt that I need to work in a context that I was just going to volunteer myself. That was in a hospital. I applied just to work. I, I didn't get the chance, but then from there, I felt that I needed to serve in the church. So when I completed high school, um, just went to St. Paul's United Theological Seminary. That's why I did my Bachelor of Divinity. Uh, after that, then I was ordained in the year 1991. And that's when also I got married. And then the journey started there. Do you feel like when you were ordained, that's when the leadership role began? Or it began before that? Where you were able to oversee things or just take charge of things at that point? That's a good question. Actually, I, I think it's before that. Before even ordination. Because I was a youth leader in the church. Yeah. I was uh, leading the church school. Uh, um, in our small congregation that's in Silanga. That's Nyandarwa. Okarao. At home, I was doing many things that uh, clearly showed that I'm a leader. I could be able to wake up very early and milk our cows. Yeah. <laughs> and there were many. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and doing many chores around the house it clearly showed that I'm going to be a leader. So I would like to say, I feel like those qualities have been passed on to me. 
because I feel like I do a lot of like leadership roles subconsciously, even without people having to ask me. I take charge a lot. And when you used to do those things, when you look back now, do you feel like it was your dad? Because I know you talk about my grandfather in the aspect of how he was a leader in his community too. So maybe you got that from him. But what roles or what qualities, I'm sorry, did you feel you embodied at the time to make you feel like you're a leader? My father was a church elder for many years. And I admired him for that. And he was gifted um, in uh, visiting people, praying with people. And he was a treasurer of the presbytery. Some people would say a diocese that time. And that was a huge role for him. So most of the time as I grew up, I could see my father working for the church and the community at large. And he was a respected man, you know, yeah. uh, in our village uh, because of what he did. So I think I've picked that from him. Uh, and also I think this part of the core I can identify as, uh, as, as coming from God himself because you never know. Right. God just imparts you with some qualities and gifts that um, you don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely understand that. And so you've been ordained in 1991. Mm-hmm. You get me. You marry mom. I think that's a correct <laughs> one. Then you have me a year later. I believe yeah, you went to Singapore. Yeah. I went to Singapore mission. in 1994 for one month. And that was a mission trip. No, it was a leadership seminar. Okay. Conference. Uh, yeah, it was a leadership seminar uh, for one month. And what things did you learn there? I think that was another journey of trying to learn more about self-care. One of the things that I got from Singapore, I never forget, is that God is not more concerned about what I do than who I am. In other words, it became more clear to me that I can do so many good things. I can work very hard. That's okay. But the most important thing is, who am I? So, and that made me to slow a little bit because I can be a workaholic, you know that. <laughs> yeah, trust me. <laughs> We've I can seen work and work years. and work and work. <laughs> yeah. So that made me to say, ah, I need to, you know, go back to the drawing board and, and check myself again. Because I work, 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 and then I forget myself. And God is not so much interested in what I'm doing more than who I am. Mm, Agreed, agreed. But this is 1994. Uh Shetty hasn't been born yet. For those who don't know, Shetty's my sister. Shetty gets born and we travel to the States 97, right? Yeah, 97. That's when you started your master's, right? Yeah. Um, talk about that, your education, because I'm sure it's helped you in your leadership roles as we're going to be talking about. But talk about your master's and doctorate and how that Yeah, for, um, for me, um, transformation has been a process over the years. And uh, for us coming here in the, the States in 1997 through 1998 and then coming back uh, for graduation uh, 2000 or so, um, America way of education transformed me a lot in one way. It's not about the community more than myself. Expand on that. Africa, you know, we are so much concerned about others. 
and the community and how people view you, how people see you. And you want to throw all your energy into taking care of others. In America, is different. It's you, you. I mean, it starts with you. And uh, this is very, this resonates with the grace of God because the grace of God, uh, you know, informs me that it's not about my effort. It's what God does through me. So I don't have to work so hard to please other people or to make other people happy. No. And we've been accepted by God through His grace. So I don't have to prove myself through working very hard and going overboard, taking care of other people and forgetting about myself so that I can win God's favor. It is right. through the grace of God. But question, if I may ask, on this, like the whole of taking care of yourself in order to take care of others, mm -hmm. do you feel like, because from what I can remember when we were children, after you graduated your doctorate, we lived in Thika for a little bit and you were very much involved with the youth there. You you worked a lot with the youth, even when we lived in Nairobi and St. Andrews, you worked a lot with the youth too. Do you think at times you were very heavily involved and not, were not at home? In terms of like, take not just being there for Misha, your mom, just even for yourself. You, you're right. I, I think this comes from the setup in the, the Kenyan, the African way of doing church work. For them, they call, it, they call uh, you being in the church a call. So it is kind of you are called and you are not like other people. So here you go. This is a call regardless. Mm. And you know that, you know, they can post you anywhere. It's a call. Yeah. Sometimes you go without a salary. It's a call. So to most of them, which I think is not the right way, they think that serving other people is the major call. But I think for me, the first thing is myself. Number two, my family. And then, you know, others. And that's why you found me in St. Andrews or even Thika. I was working very hard because that is one of the contracts yeah. of the church. You really have to be out there taking care of people. And at the expense of really yourself sometimes, you know, you go overboard. Yeah, but I also feel like being in a higher position of leadership in the context of the church requires yeah. more of you. Do you feel, do you, did you feel like that, especially in St. Andrews? Oh, a lot, a lot, because you, you know, when we are in St. Andrews, okay, we were working with Dr. Wajau. Uh, he was the moderator of the, of the parish. I was working with him, but also I was the moderator of Minimali Presbytery. That's even huge. I was the chairman of Narog region that goes all uh, the way to Tanzania. Yeah. Uh, coast, the entire Nairobi, that was a huge responsibility. And again, Nairobi itself, uh, being the moderator of part of the Mirimani, uh, which is part of Nairobi, yes, but it, it's, it's quite huge. It's quite huge. And I was tired, let me admit, I was very tired. How did that challenge you at the time? Like the exhaustion, like, like the tiresomeness you're talking about, were you taking care of your mental state at the time? Like, were you... Well, I guess, were you in a, a position to even think about yourself, rather? Or no? To some extent. 
if you may remember, that's when I started jogging around the house. <laughs> oh, yeah! Every day. You jog around the compound. Yeah. And actually, oh, yeah, sometimes, yes, and sometimes that's when I, I began leaving my office early. Yeah. Or Kimani would drop you off. Yes, yes, early and come and do exercise. Yeah. And if I have to go then out. Yeah. But I was, I had some time. But I, I think still there was too much, too much. The expectations were very high. I needed some rest. And then something happened. Maybe you don't know about it, but uh, when I was done with uh, my years of being the moderator of Mirimani and also being the chairman of Nairobi region, just before we came, we were to be transferred. To, I remember, I was really upset about to that. To Umoja. Yeah. And uh, the people there were saying they are waiting for me so that they can again, I was, I was fearing this, yeah. again, so that they can elect me to be a leader on that side. Yeah. That's what they were saying. You come here, you know, we are going to elect you and all that. And it's a very, yeah, you can easily lose your energy and also your mental health you can just go to the drains if you're not careful. So since we're fast forwarding and you've talked about how exhausted you were in Nairobi working there, 2006, we move, we moved to the States now permanently. How do you think, it's 2020 now, we've been here permanently 14 years, though we've traveled over the years. When I was younger and when we were younger, you're well-traveled. How do you think being a pastor in the United States and being a pastor in Kenya, what are the comparisons? What are the pros and cons? How has your mental health gotten to that level? Oh, that's a very good to question. To the level of peace, actually. That one needs me to write a book. I'm sorry. <laughs> You've already wrote, written a book and we're going to talk that, about that's it. That's another book. <laughs> Because that's that's huge. But let me just say a few things. Um, here, I think I'm more mentally healthy. And I'll say the reason. The reason is because apart from working in the church, I'm also working in a hospital where I'm meeting different people other than just Kenyans. Yeah. And working with Kenyans is good. Uh, they challenge me a lot. They help me to grow. But I think that diversity of getting out and thinking differently and before then working in the hospital remember i had to go through cp clinical pastoral education and that one transformed my thinking completely even my spirituality yeah. the first thing is about self-care because if you are going to take care of the patients if you are going to take care of the family members or people who are in bereavement, the first question is how do you take care of yourself? You cannot be able to take care of the people if you're not taking care of yourself. So uh, that I think has really helped me to be more mentally healthy mm. than when I was in Kenya. And I think the workload in the church here is not as huge. As heavy. As heavy, you know. Yeah. And uh, um, and being able to be free. Because in Kenya, you can only be a pastor of a parish. It's very hard for you to take another job. Yeah. Because you're not a pastor of just one church. It's a parish. And it's, parish it's a parish. Or even if it's one congregation, yeah. you know, they expect really for you to work there 24-7. But here there is that allowance. The congregation is not so huge. I can be working some, and that gives me some freedom. Yeah. Some flexibility of a kind. Because we've seen you more at home. Yeah, 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 than yeah. Than we've ever seen you. Mm -hmm. 
while we even in the kitchen you see me more often how mom can speak on that <laughs> <laughs> that's not you can what see me <laughs> anywhere but, in the home um, <laughs> that's what i mean <laughs> um but you know in terms of leadership evolution so you've grown better you have better time what qualities have you had throughout as a leader you know for example i for one can speak to your patience and your pragmatism when it comes to leadership in the church but what other qualities do you think have stayed consistent within the 30 years and then when you became a pastor here what transitions happened um maybe uh, like you now though yeah you're, you're saying it maybe others can speak better than i can mm -hmm. about some of those queries but uh, most definite um the aspect of pastoral care yeah the listening skills mm -hmm. uh because that's basically what i do every day and that's where patience comes from and uh having a non-judgmental and that comes out of taking care of people. When you are visiting a patient or a family member who is in bereavement, there's this concept that is deeply um, ingrained in any pastoral caregiver. You don't know. And I wish people had that concept always. You don't know. Of like you don't know. You don't know the what's going story. on. Yeah, you don't know what's going on with that person. You don't know you know the background of that person you don't know you don't know much thing um, uh, many things about the people who are suffering or even the people you meet with you don't know and that helps you to slow a little bit in your judgment and to listen more because there's much more uh, than you can see or even understand yeah actually it's, it's, it's always wrong to say uh, you understand the other person. You cannot understand fully the other person. There's no way you can. Yeah. There's always a story uh, uh, for every person that you don't know. So that creates some curiosity in you mm. to listen and to ask more. And that's why you get uh, more knowledge. You become more wiser. You become more patient because always there is a story behind you know every person or every uh, everything that you come across is always something that is you know um, great to you don't know much about it yeah yeah so speaking to those qualities mm -hmm. example because <laughs> as a leader you meet people who who are not okay with how you may lead something they may not be okay with how you trajectory a certain situation wherever you are how have you dealt with that huh, that's a ve that's very good <laughs> so i think pragmatism comes there and it's e yes, it's hard for me i expect that yeah that people will not um fully act, uh, you know accept or even be happy with what i do or who i am and that's why I say, uh, number one, I'm not going to be a man pleaser. And I'm not here again to be perfect. So I know I'm imperfect. And I can only do my best 
God will do the rest. That, that I think, makes me to be so comfortable that in this life, I'm not expecting myself to be perfect. Right. I'll never be 100% perfect. And it's okay. I mean, I can't. I'm human. So I, I allow myself that grace. <laughs> and do you feel like yeah. you also evolve? You know, like the one thing I've learned with Clear Minds Better Lives for me is that you don't lead one way. Does that make sense? Like you cannot always lead a certain way because you think it's not one plus one. It changes yeah. every That's single very time true, yeah. because you're meeting different people. You're also yeah. working with different personalities. Yeah. So for you, is it like that as well? Whereby leadership is not a straight line. That's what it is. It's not a. It's not a perfect straight line. It's a constant changing thing. That, that, that's true. To be able to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people are different. So, so instead of then um, striving and working towards changing people or even forcing um, some ideologies to happen or to people's lives, I am back late a little bit so that I can be able to learn from those different uh, perspectives and, you know, and different people, I can be able to learn from them. Because as you said, people are different. And uh, I have to be wise enough to listen and allow also other people to teach me. Yeah. yeah as I also say, you know, I, I, I'll never, never be able to be 100% of the expectation. I cannot meet that. Yeah. So you yeah. can only do what's capable I do in your best. capable means, yeah, yeah. basically. Now, you wrote a book. A couple of years ago mm -hmm. and you talked about heavily about pastoral care and self-care and how again CPE changed you um, not just for yourself but for us your family let's talk about what led you to write the book first um, I have seen a lot of suffering of pastors and their families uh, especially me as a leader. In Pastors Kenya. here or in Kenya? Especially or? in Kenya. Because since the time I was ordained, I've been a leader. I mean, not only of a parish or a congregation. I've either been a leader, not even in, I've been a leader in the presbyteries, I've been a leader in the region, and I've seen a lot of suffering of pastors because of the demands that are placed on them. Mm. They work a lot. Monday through Friday, no, Monday through Sunday, you know, and um, they never have time to refresh themselves or even to read or even to relax or even to be themselves. Neither do they have time for their families. That one led me to write this book. And actually, when I go to Kenya, if I just take like a Harry copies, yeah. they are bought. With, yeah. With I know a few of my friends house. who bought it. Yes. They, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's only that I'm not able to be in Kenya for a long time because, yeah. again, I need to be there. But in every church that I go, people buy that book. And they yeah. say they've never read yeah. such a book that addresses the needs of a, the, the pastoral uh, concerns. You know, over pastor and the family, and you know, again, the expectations of uh, the people on the family, on their families, is, is is not realistic, because a pastor is taken to be uh, not quite a human being, so 
So yeah. they're human being. Yeah. So even the children, you don't expect them to behave like, and that's 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 a very wrong concept to me. Right. And that's what um, led me to write that book. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to like for the people who are listening in, because I know our listeners are not all from Africa or understand the African background of religion and Christianity. When you are a pastor or a man of the church, even elders and deacons, there's a higher standard that you're held up to. Um, that the community expects perfection in a way. Mm-hmm. Am I right, Dad? Yeah, you're right. There's some sort of expectation even for the wife of the pastor to have and the children to have. They almost expect you to be sinless in a way. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. That's, yeah, that's the right one. There's some sort of expectation to mm-hmm. be sinless. And uh, for me, I think what really bothered me was the aspect of like we're all human beings Mm -hmm. and we all sin it doesn't matter who you are Mm -hmm. you're all sinners in the eyes of god and that's why we constantly ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. so when we as a society especially the african society put ourselves in this pedestal of like our pastors and our kids need to be perfect i think there's much more pressure to be a perfect human being and i think that for me was for a long time until I became, you know, the don't care <laughs> that I am sometimes. But you talk in the book about how you've seen those pressures, especially, I guess, for me. Do you think that as you wrote the book and you were writing these words, do you think that had some of like reflection on you on how maybe our, our childhood could have been different, me and Shadi's childhood, or even for mom? Mm-hmm. Did you have reflections about? Hoping when you wrote this book that when other families read it, they'll be like, oh, like, this is not just happening to Reverend Isaac. It's also happening around me and I need to change. So what are, like, talk about the advice and the reflections that you had. Uh, Actually, if you go to the first chapter, that is what I've written. Yeah. Clearly about myself and the way I was doing things, which was not right. Mm just out there working for the community. It is okay to work for the community. It's 100% okay. But then not at the expense of yourself or the family. Mm. And I was so much sold out, you know, to others that uh, I remember, <laughs> you may not remember this, but in 1994, your birthday in 1994, uh, your two years birthday. Mm. <laughs> yes, 1994. I walked like 40 kilometers. That's what, almost 20 miles? 20 miles, right? No, more than 20 miles. Okay. And I was, because there was no means of transport whatsoever. Yeah. What about the blue little car we had? That one, it couldn't even, it couldn't even drive there. Oh, oh, you were going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And there are no roads. I mean, there are no roads. Were you going for mission work? I was going to baptize and I wow. had to walk 40, I remember, yeah, maybe 20 kilometers and 40 kilometers total. Because I, and then coming home again for your birthday, I was very tired. So I didn't quite, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was not quite, you know, there, there. in celebratory I mean, form. Uh, because there was no that language of no. Yeah. Even it was today, I would tell her, okay, no. yes, no, I have my daughter's birthday. Uh, so, so yeah, true. Uh, let me confess. I think um, that is the way I was. 
But mark you, that is the way the many African communities are. Mm -hmm. Out there taking care of other people. You remember when you were growing up, you know, as kids. Yeah. The best utensils were not for us, but for visitors. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the meals that you couldn't get, but when visitors come, rice. Yeah, but our childhood was very different. <laughs> yeah, I so, think so, he provided so, for us a lot. So yeah, you know, so that concept of others are more important than you are. Yeah, it's, a, we it's a very Af- African concept. Yeah, yeah, and that one is very screwed. I should say that. Yeah, I, it's very, very, it's very unfortunate, uh, and I guess some of the mental issues um, that you know kids have. Or even parents, because it's only that they they don't come to the service. Yeah, it's because of that community expectation. Mm, you know, they expect too much from the leaders. Yeah, and then um, you find some pastors. You know, they are excommunicated. You know, they are burned out. They are not delivering anymore. People are complaining. So those issues made me to think. Oh, I think we need to have a review of these issues that are affecting pastors. Yeah. They never, never go for retreats, you know, where they can just take a break and maybe take a course or even read. Yeah. Never in life. There is no space for that mental... Those people are tired. And if you you were to go to Kenya now, say, for example, you create a, a clinical pastoral care, I don't know, kind of course or whatever, are these the things you'd be teaching them and talking to them about? Would you also encourage, like, is it the CAC session or the headquarters? I forget what it's called. Maybe the entire church. That, that's actually my one of my goals. Yeah. If God willing and if God gives me the resources, I normally think of building a center Yeah. where I can deal with ministers in particular. Mm. They can just come. Yeah. Just relax, you know. Space. Safe just space. give them space and let, let them come and talk and share. I mean, not much in terms of, uh, you know, education. No, not much in terms of reading. Not, not that much, much reading, no. But then let them just come and relax and talk and share and maybe doing, do some simple readings here and there. Yeah. You know. Uh, because I think for most is 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 issue of money. You know they they can't get out. Yeah. They can't go to uh, some of these um, universities or even colleges and mm-hmm. just have some simple yeah. learning. You know. No, that makes sense. And yeah. you know to add on to your story about time, I think there's one time I remember. You know Christmases you had to preach. Do you remember that? All the time. All the time, every Uh Christmas. So there's a time mom and Sherry went to Shosho's. Shosho means grandmother um, in my language. And mom and Sherry left us to go to Nakuru. And I said, I'm going to remain with dad. And Sherry and I were left. And Jerry, my cousin. And we were left and you had to preach Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Yeah. And then we left immediately after Christmas yeah. Day. Those were the days it was very yeah. intense. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time I was attached to my dad to the hip. Like I could not go anywhere <laughs> without my dad. And the, which is why I also followed you around when you led the youth a lot. If you remember, yeah. mm-hmm. I was with you in a lot of mm-hmm. youth trips. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess that has also taught me how to like resonate with people because mm-hmm. I don't think I've told you this. I feel like I'm a very introverted person mm-hmm. because I like my own space. You've, mm-hmm. you've now seen that. I value being yeah. alone very much. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, I think being around you so many times and mm-hmm. seeing you meet with so many people, you know when you're like, oh, Reverend Isaac, you've come with your daughter. Mm-hmm. I am prone to say hi to everybody. You're right. Because you're the pastor's mm-hmm. daughter. Yeah. You cannot not say, I'm not going to say hi to anyone. That's true. So I think, and you know, in a lot of my podcasts, personal podcasts with people, a lot of people say, oh, sure, you're so personable. But I think that personability has been an effect of your role oh, as a pastor. That's great. Yeah. It's never, it's not, I don't think I was born with that. I think that is just something yeah. that's been instilled with me that I'm grateful for. But it goes to show how... Even in childhood, if you're a leader and you, mm-hmm. you're meant to be a leader, your parents play a huge part in that. That's very true. So now to kind of turn the tables, do you see that in me? When you look at me in the role of le- leadership, because you always say, sure, you're a born leader, which mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that really mm-hmm. means. But what qualities do you think I portray to say I'm a leader? Yeah, you, 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 you're very concerned about the plight of other people. You take care of other people. You are concerned about their welfare. You give yourself That's sometimes too That's much. That's too. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you have that unselfish heart. Yeah. Um, that is out there to help and to reach out to other people. Yeah. Um, which is very important. I, you, uh, you also know that you are a fighter <laughs> in terms of <laughs> fighting for the rights. Of other people, and you you want some kind of equality. I mean, that you, you want people to be treated well, which yeah. is uh, that's actually in our family. I think. Yeah. We because I find all of us. I don't know how this ha- has happened, but all of us, we four of us, you fight. We want to be with the children. We. <laughs> we, we yeah. We. we it's like we are very much um, passionate. Dad, please describe we want to be the children part. Um, uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about in terms of children? No, no, no. I'm, I'm I think you mean serving others. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can. You like uh, uh, teaching children in the Sunday school. That was Sherry, not Sherry. Sherry and mom likes that. Yeah. I also do it a lot. I mean, I and don't mind children. We but also have the um, the passion of taking care of the lowly and the poor and yes. less fortunate. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah, so we are a family of service. That is say. well said. Yeah. Well said. The Karanjas are family of service. That's very true. <laughs> and... Yeah. Do you think that also has been, for me and Shetty, I think Shetty would agree with me, it's also watching you um, serve. Because Shetty has more of the the patient qualities <laughs> that you have, I think. Um, she's more pragma- uh, pragmatic than I am, for sure. And I think she's gotten that from you as well. Uh-huh. Because, you know, being in med school right now, and seeing the goals that she has to serve others. Yeah. I think that totally has also come from you. 
Mm-hmm. So and we appreciate that. But I think for me, the biggest thing that you've taught me is time is essential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I remember growing up, you and mom yeah. would collide over, you need to get out, we need to go. And I'd always be ready. I'm in the car <laughs> and forcing Shay to be ready. <laughs> I think time is such an essential tool for yeah. a leader. I think that sets the tone. Yeah. I have seen you officiate weddings. Mm-hmm. No joke, starting them on time without the guests there. Yeah. I have seen you starting funerals and funeral prayers. Mm-hmm. Why is time so important? It's part of planning and... Uh, it, Time is going to help you not to be over anxious. It mm-hmm. gives you the space to uh, take care of everything and uh, it helps you to, as I've said, to plan yourself you know, in advance. And, um, and you don't fight yourself with too many things you cannot handle at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Because from morning, you kept time. And therefore, you don't have uh, a lot of things that are pending that are going to make you to be anxious, feel overburdened. So there's that spacing because it's time for this, it's time for the other, and then it's time for the other thing. And that helps you not to be overcrowded Yeah. with a lot of things. So less anxiety. Oh, yeah. A lot. Definitely. A lot. So I hope you guys can understand why I'm always angsty about time. Yeah. That is really, really important. Well, well the, the bad thing is when <laughs> you work with people who don't keep time, mm-hmm. they make you to be more anxious. And yeah. They, you know, they, they make you to be angry sometimes, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's a problem. And you know that's an African thing, to yeah, be late. Yeah, yeah. so... <laughs> So let's move on to, I guess, how, what you, the practices you have now for your mental health. I know them because I'm around you all the time. But for the people who do not know you, as a leader, what are your self-care tips? Number one, to say no. Oh, yes. To extra responsibilities mm. I have my plan early enough for the week that does not mean that other things cannot come yeah. in mm. but <laughs> I'm I, laughing because dad is a very like <laughs> no person I don't a huge want, homebody <laughs> I don't want interruptions so yeah I plan myself and uh, of course I expect some unexpected you know calls here and there but uh Generally, I have to uh, make sure that I have time for myself. I am more at home and resting. Can you tell and, the people how, how much sleep you get? And sleeping. Tell the people how much sleep you get because you sleep a lot. <laughs> no, actually a lot because, you know, I'm working, uh, uh, you know, I'm working nights and then when I come home, the first thing, actually I've, I've made some changes now. Because of self-care. Yeah. When I come from work, I used to come and then take breakfast. No, now. Because I want straight away to go and rest. Yeah. Just pick something very little, rest. Okay. And then wake up and do other things. 
So you've said no. Uh, say no. Sleep. Get some rest. Get some rest. Uh, of late, I think you've seen that I'm balancing between the computer. <laughs> <laughs> the screens? Computer and uh, television. Yeah. Y you see me <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Watching, yeah, yeah. I don't. I feel this like you're. I'm watching television. I know, but I feel like between us four, you're the least person who watches a lot of television. That's very Mom true. Mom is number one on that list. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. But 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 computer is becoming okay. Computer is a must because I have to do some research and all that. Yeah. For my sermons and sometimes I have to read for my work and all that. Yeah. But I'm also uh, getting some time to watch some. News. We've watched some programs with you and Sherry as well. Oh, yeah, we watch documentaries yeah. when you feel like watching them. When I feel like watching <laughs> when them. When you feel like yeah. watching them. And of course, you know, um, you know, everyday walking. Yeah, twice a walk. day with mom. Yeah, I have to walk and yeah. Um, so, walking, saying no, um, getting your rest. What about your. Healthy eating habits. Oh, that's a, that's a huge house. one. That's a huge one. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge one because that, that's that's that, that's a must. And yeah. that one, by the way, is not more from me. Is your mom? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's mandatory. We don't need out so, in this house. I'm very lucky that uh, <laughs> mm. that that's mom. That's you know my wife that is taking care of me. You know. Yeah. in that regard more than anything else something else this one you don't know but i have some friends that i talked to yeah and you know over the phone and those are ministers um that we in particular is one or two yeah that i confide with yeah and i can you know right. vent vent and yeah so having Two or you know, two or three people to talk to is good. Two, not I don't know how many. <laughs> two. <laughs> Let the record show. Isaac said two. Two, not three. <laughs> two, not three. Yeah. Um. No, but I but I believe it because I also think you know you've seen our friend group. We're a big friend group, but I think everyone has one or two people. Yeah. That they actually you confide can in. Fight. Yeah. Um. And the rest is still family, but I I do understand what yeah. you mean. Yeah. And, and also, you know, uh, having uh, come from a background that is communal, and I love it. We have so many things to admire from our Kenyan tradition, so many things that are yeah. good and excellent. I, I think also the, uh, the opportunity to work at Bands, for me, gives me a lot of relief yeah. and some time to take a breath I meet people who are very different mm. from the ones I meet on Sunday I'm or I'm working with most of the time that diversity to me is, is, is very good because yeah. it, it expands your knowledge mm. and it gives you room to think otherwise and to approach things in a different way yeah yeah I'll be very Unhappy to be very honest if I was just working with a Kenyan only right. with a Kenyan. Yeah, expanding your horizon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I love working with Kenyans 100% But not only with them. I also yeah. want to work with you know other communities. Yeah, 
Yeah. And while we talk about diversity and the community that you lead in the church, what internal struggles do you experience sometimes? Uh, yeah, internal struggles out As a there. leader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of them is um, this is a very different context of leadership in the church uh, from the one I knew. Um, the immigrants here, their financial, social status make it very difficult for them. Um, most of them are here and in Kenya, so their loyalty is um, is divided. You like it or not? Mm -hmm. um, some don't know the plight of their future. If if all the people who have stepped in Pendo since the time I came are in that church, then would have extended that building three times. Mm. Would be, be very many. But you know, immigrants keep on moving from one state to the other. Some even go home. So our congregations are very... Unbalanced. Um, yeah, and people come, some stay long, yes, others leave and go, and that's a challenge. You know, mm -hmm. you bring up people and then, yeah, you know, um, and even us when we are here, but maybe from your generation now, we don't know whether we are going to be in New Year's forever or we are going home. So that kind of uh, divided. Yeah. Um, you know, way of living. You are not here, you are not in Kenya. Um, you know, poses some challenges. And so would you say, Mom, <laughs> in that aspect now becomes your support system? Yeah, oh things? yeah, most definitely she is. Harry yeah. person, she is very supportive. And also, you know, people in the congregation, I should say, there are people who are very supportive. Mm. It's only that immigrants not only here all over the states and maybe uh, abroad elsewhere yeah for them to be permanent and to think permanently yeah is hard for them mm -hmm. some are still uh, paying school fees for their brothers and sisters back in Kenya yeah they're still taking care of their families back in Kenya so it, it's very hard for them to have their two legs, as we say, yeah. <laughs> starting here, you know, they have other commitments. And that's a big challenge for uh, me as a leader. Wow, I yeah. know that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, now there are so many young people, especially in our community, mm -hmm. who will be leaders one day, mm -hmm. aspire to be leaders. What advice can you give them? Being a leader for 30 years is a long time. Mm -hmm. You've evolved, you've changed, mm -hmm. you've transitioned, and I'm sure even in a couple of years you'll have to evolve again because that's what leadership is. It's oh, yeah. evolution. So what advice would you give a young person right now who's looking to be a leader, especially in towards the African community? You know, because... I feel, for me, I find it very easy to become a leader 
in these other spaces. But when it comes to our community, it can be hard. Very hard. Especially if you're branching out to people in your generation. (laughs) You know, because my generation will be a bit easier and their generations to come. But if young people were supposed to change the minds of people in your generation Mm -hmm. for a better future for the community, what are those you know, tips or advice you can give young people right now? Expect a lot of surprises. Mm. There, there are going to be a lot of surprises. You find out uh, that uh, some of the people you think are supportive will not be. Mm. However, there are others who support you uh, with all their hearts you did never, you never thought about. Mm. But they will come up and give you support. That helps you not to trust so much um, on your judgments, but to trust in God because He knows better. The other thing is, allow yourself to be imperfect. Don't think that you do it all. Sometimes we become overambitious and we overwork ourselves. Just remember that Moses as a leader, mm-hmm. God allowed him to take the children of Israel from Egypt and not into the land of Canaan. There has to be a Joshua who was going to take over and take Egypt out of the people. So Moses had his role of taking people from Egypt up to near the land of Canaan. Mm. Joshua had to come in as well and do a different role. Yeah. So you can be everything to every other person. Yeah. I think that's my weakness as a leader. Just do the best you can. Yeah. And know that you never be hundred percent. Neither are the people you are leading hundred percent. They mm. will fail you as also you have failed them. Mm. So uh, expect some of those things to happen in your life. And don't be too ambitious. Just I think if you learn to take care of yourself, put yourself first, mm. you'll be in a better position. Because um, as you lead the public and other people, yes, their agenda is important, but your agenda is more important mm. than theirs. Because at the end of the day, I like it or not, and you always look forward to that, I'm going to retire and I'll come back to my wife. And my two daughters, I mean, God willing, that's all, I mean. And uh, by that time, the public will not be there. So it will be myself and my family. So when you realize that, then you you don't take things so seriously out there Mm. when they fail or when they don't work out well. There are things that uh, you just have to let go in this life as you work with the communities uh, 
because there are many things you can't control. Yeah. There's nothing much you can do. Just let it go and do your best and just leave the rest. Um, you can't transform people. You can't change people. Yeah. No matter what you want. No matter, no matter how you, you want to do it. You can't. And I think many leaders, I had that problem when I came here. Because you know St. Andrews, the way it is. And then coming here, St. Andrews is 4,000 members. And then I'm here, uh, you know, with a smaller, far much smaller congregation. Mm. How that dynamic, you know. It's difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. So... Uh, but you can't change people. I can only do my best and then leave the rest to go. You can only God. do your part. I can only do my part. Yeah. yeah so those three all. things are your top advice. Yeah, those are my top advice. Which and, is, uh, don't expect perfection of yourself. Expect, expect surprises. surprises. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the failure one, right? Yeah. Expect others to fail you. Oh yeah, oh, you yeah. Fail you yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, life is a process. You know, the results are not yours. Mm. You work, but the results are not yours. God is going to determine the end product. So do your part. Yeah. The rest belongs to God. So. Before we wind up, Dad, mm -hmm. I want you to give me, and I'm sorry, actually I should have said thank you for those words of wisdom. I will reiterate them <clears throat> before we close the episode. But I want you to talk about your most memorable leadership experience. It doesn't matter where it was, here Kenya. What is one of your best and what is one of your worst? Um, you can talk about your worst first and then your best. My worst, <laughs> my worst was um, here mm. years ago um, when there was some transition going on, and, and I guess is uh, people were kind of um, looking for an identity. Who are we? We migrants, but well, who yeah. are we here? And in that struggle, there were some misunderstandings, you know. Because there are some people who want to be Kenyans, Americans. In other words, they are still following some of the traditions, of Kenyan Kenya. churches' traditions, and being Americans. It's a struggle of uh, who they want to be. Mm, identity crisis. Identity crisis. So it's not them, it's, they, they have a struggle. And then there are others like me who feel, okay, we're in America, you know, and for the most part of it, <laughs> we didn't have to be um, under the leadership of the American church. Mm. So that struggle, you know, to be able to come into terms of, okay, now we are going to be under the presbyter of Giddings Love Joy, because now we are. We are under the presbytery of giving love joy. That was not easy. Mm -hmm. Because there are those who think, and I don't blame them. They thought that we can be under the PCA, Kenya, mm -hmm. which is a little bit tricky because. In different countries. Yeah. 
and the laws of the land are different. Mm. And the supervision of the church from Kenya to supervisors here is different. Yeah. Uh, the way of doing things is different. Even the cultural context is different. Mm. Um, so to be able to um, disentangle all those concepts and then come up with an identity, that was not easy. Yeah. But finally we are there now. And moving forward. So, what was one of your best? My best was um, in Kenya. I, when I was the monitor of the presbytery, <laughs> I was in three instances, maybe if not even if not more. I was always getting uh, number one, two, or three in the entire church. Mm. And we were given as a presbyter a moderator trophy, monetary trophy. Yeah. Uh, every three years, every three years, you know, we could get that. Yeah. Because of leading the church in many ways, finances, uh, education, uh, group readership, and yeah. many other things. Yeah. So I'm very proud of my leadership in Kenya um, and here as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think St. Andrews is a cherished. It's a cherished moment for you. Yeah, it is. Uh, I agree yeah. that uh, the demands were very, yeah, yeah. But still, I feel like you met some lifelong friends there. That's very true. We yeah. still, we still. They were actually to come here last, no, no, this year. It's only because of COVID-19. Yeah. yeah. 40 of them were given visas. They were actually, they were given uh, visas. It's only that yeah. COVID came and... That's a lot, Dad. You've shared a lot. <laughs> so, um, I have one final question, though. Mm-hmm. How do you think your leadership as a pastor has impacted us, me, Shiri, and Mom, your family, your most prized possession? <laughs> yeah, um, let me be honest with this. There are some things I cannot quite say. You and mom and Sherry can say. Because mm. when I'm doing things, they might impact you in a positive or negative way. Mm. I mean, so really that's a very hard question. I think it's you. <laughs> Who would be the one to answer? <laughs> Who would be the one to answer that? Because I... I do things, maybe I'm doing it to my best, but on the other end, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, so. Well, I think what I can say, um, I think Shadi has seen more of your growth and transition than I have because I was not home a lot to have that to see that because you created a relationship with her and then you and I have created a relationship and I would say that the transitions and evolutions that have happened to you have been transferred to us as far Mm -hmm. as like your daughters go Mm -hmm. because you and mom that's a different relationship I can't speak to that Mm -hmm. but I feel like you know I can talk to you about 
almost everything now. <laughs> Not everything, but I feel like when we were younger, it was very different. Mm-hmm. And because, like you said, your work demanded so much out of you. I don't think the time and space was there for you to, mm-hmm. you know, be full-time dad. So, so um, I am happy of seeing that within you. Good. Um, and I think Shadi and I love that about you, that we're able to talk to you about stuff, you and mom as well. And I do want to say, especially to kids who are listening to this mm-hmm. or young people, that it's not just about you as a child changing the perception. I think mm-hmm. also your parents have to be willing to change that because as, as you can tell with my dad's journey it wasn't just like his leadership role it also like affected him personally which led him to self-care and then that led to like relationship changing with him my sister and i so have that in the back of your mind right like to be willing to have these conversations with your parents they can be your biggest support system as well mm-hmm. so I for one dad I want to thank you for coming through to talk to me <laughs> um, I know I'm gonna be moving soon so I know you're gonna oh, miss us because your yeah. other daughter is gone oh, yeah. <laughs> so but it's um, be hard for us now the transition transition again but I am so I think I'm I'm lucky because Whenever I think about the people who are in my life, you know, some of my best friends, Kina Bogwa, I, I would not be friends with Bogwa mm-hmm. if you didn't meet his parents, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. eventually, would, like, none of the people, and Joki and I talked about this the other day, we would mm-hmm. not be where we are without you and mom because mm-hmm. of the life and environment you've given us. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. I am proud to call you my dad I know that's been a challenge (laughs) it's a challenge to be a pastor's kid y'all it's not a joke but um, the journey has been worth it I believe and I hope that this episode can Mm -hmm. you know give a little bit of a glimpse of hope to people Mm -hmm. who want to be leaders in our community Mm -hmm. so say no get some rest exercise um, have me time Less electronics. What else did you say, Dad? Did I say everything in terms of I think you said, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have be gracious to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. You are not perfect, so don't expect perfection. And also, expect surprises. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for listening in. Take care. Bye.